0: Welcome everyone to Seek Go Create. It's your host Tim Winders here. I am in the warmest over pullover that I have because it is really cold right now. And you know, a lot of people talk about being in the RV and how cool and awesome it is. Well, not all the time. I'm in Colorado. We're visiting our grandchildren, and it is really, really cold. So I am all bundled up here in the passenger seat. Have a great conversation today, and it's going to bring a lot of things together, such as leadership. We're going to talk about faith. We're going to be talking about a concept of others over self that I'm excited about finding more uh, out more about. And so a lot of cool stuff here. I'll get to our guest in just a moment. I just want to continue reminding everyone of a, of a few things. Number one, we have a great presence over on YouTube, Growing Fast, and so make sure you check that out. If you have not subscribed over on YouTube for at Seek Go Create, make sure that you do that. And then secondly, all things Seek Go Create is on our website at Seek com. that's SeekGoCreate.com. You will find extensive notes, details, uh, quotes, things like that, resources, anything that we mentioned today, books and other resources, they will be there. So make sure you go to SeekGoCreate.com. Today, we have Shelly Rude. She served in the United States Army Reserves for 16 years as an intelligence officer offer. I could use a little more intelligence myself. She's now a civilian chaplain and small business owner, and she is advocating for selfless service in action. Looking forward to having the conversation about that. She's the creator of Others Over Self, a leadership mindset serving people in positions of impact and making a lasting impact on others. Shelley, welcome to seat Go Create.
1: Tim Wenders, I'm fangirling over you right now, and as I look out my window, I see some snow flurries here in Michigan. So you're not alone.
0: Woo! Yeah, we were talking earlier. We 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 had a little bit of a touch and go with a, a little bit of equipment. You've recently had an injury. I am just freaking cold <laughs> where I'm at. <laughs> so this is going to be an awesome conversation. Show.
1: You know, it's reality, isn't it? Right. Our steps are ordered, and we just keep marching.
0: It is. We keep going along. So sometimes I look at it, if there's a few barriers, then it's probably going to be more awesome. There's yeah. going to be some great stuff that comes comes forth during the conversation. So, uh, Shelly, let's pretend. Let's pretend we're just meeting, which we sort of are. But I've done a lot of research on you, and, and I know you've listened to some things we've done here. But uh, let's just say we bump into each other, and I ask you what you do. What are you going to tell me? What do you respond
1: Tim, I truly believe that my life's mission is to have meaningful conversations with people. And so we talk. We, we get to know each other. Usually the conversations tend to be a little bit deeper, a little bit heavier than your typical pass somebody at the water cooler. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine doesn't ever mean I'm fine. <laughs> and I really, really enjoy bringing that humanity back into human communication. Uh, and so that's where it starts. And what we do with that is we train. And if you don't know how to communicate with other people, we'll train you how to deepen your interpersonal skills. Uh, what it does is it leads to better mental wellness for not only you, but the person who's sitting across from you. Uh, and then eventually, right, it leads out into society as a whole. So what do we do? We train, we teach, we educate, and we have really good conversations.
0: The meaningful conversations is so cool because... That's one of the benefits that I love about what I get to do here. Uh, You know, right before we hit record, I think I mentioned, you know, I I love having these one-hour, whatever they are, conversations, because in the world we're in, it seems like we're in a soundbite world, Mm -hmm. and we never really get to get into any depth, and so when we do things like this, and I love it that the the people that listen in get to just kind of kind of participate in that you and I, who rarely would probably bump into each other, we might actually in the circles we run in, but we would rarely have more than a few-minute conversation unless we were very intentional about it. Why do you think there's such a deficit of meaningful conversations in the culture and society we're in today?
1: No, I think you kind of said it with that whole instant gratification culture, soundbite world. Um, When we want what we want, then we're focused on ourselves. Um, and the human heart is very flighty right and so we we get it we get it we get it we get it we move on we go to McDonald's we go to all these fast food places we pop into the store I mean especially here in America anything you want you can get I mean that's the beauty of America and the meritocracy which I love um, but what happens is that we forget to slow down we forget to actually have those drawn-out conversations with people uh, and this has really only been in my later years that I've discovered and held a true appreciation for another human being you know i spent a lot of time especially in my 20s trying to climb the corporate ladder and go faster stronger harder hashtag hustle you know i was in the military um, I'm a CrossFitter. I'm definitely somebody who loves, like, heavy weightlifting. I even did bodybuilding for a while. So when you talk about that whole, like, go, go, go culture, that is definitely me. And I'm an entrepreneur as well, and I love long-term success, and I love going for that big next huge major thing that people didn't think was possible. Um, but what we have to be careful of, as I'm learning myself, is as we climb our way to the top, we don't need to be clawing and stepping on other people to get there. And truthfully, if you do operate in that manner, the higher you get, you might find yourself up on the mountain, but you're certainly going to fall. And so I would much rather take my time getting onto the mountain with a group of people around me. uh, And then we know that we're going to be able to stay there for quite a while.
0: Yeah. So there's so many thoughts going through my head, but I just finished reading through all four Gospels, and I know we're going to have some faith conversation here. And so I'm going to kind of go deep right out of the, the gate with this. Does the hustle culture conflict with our faith and specifically, the examples we see in scripture. I don't know, you've got a chaplaincy background. You've been to Bible college like myself. And so, mm-hmm. um, talk about that because I have a background with the hustle culture, man. I'm a kid of the 80s, is when I was coming into my own and I wanted to go, 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 money, money, money. I was proud of the fact that I slept very little during the 90s. And I'm kind of shifting <laughs> all that. So, so, talk about kind of faith and the hustle culture and, and can those two commingle?
1: That's a good question. You know, Jesus only had 33 years on the earth. So as much as I want to believe that he was this white robe wearing totally chill man, I kind of don't believe that. (laughs) You know, he was flipping tables. I mean, he did definitely have this passion within him. Um, And I was listening to one of your previous episodes where, you know, this kind of issue was discussed and and there was a quote that came from it that kind of said, uh, Jesus wasn't hustle. And I, I, what I love about podcasting, right, is you can agree and you can disagree, and you can still listen yeah. to the interview with respect, and uh, I appreciate that point of view, and yet I find myself disagreeing with it. Um Because if you look at the preaching of Jesus, I mean, he was out there healing the sick until he was so exhausted, he couldn't even stand on his two feet anymore, right? And he would, like, pass out, and Simon would pick him up. <laughs> I mean, if that's not hustle, I don't know what hustle is. Uh, but I think that it's fair to say and to give credit, you know, to that point of view that you cannot hashtag hustle every single minute of every single day. And mm-hmm. being in the military myself and having that life experience, we have crazy missions where we're going out and doing unbelievable things, things that most people would never even attempt to achieve. And we do them and we achieve them. We don't do it 24 hours a day every day. You have rest and relaxation built in, you have your eight hours of sleep, 10 hours of sleep built into your rotation time, uh, and it's there with a purpose because even the military knows how human beings operate, and you can only push them so far. And so on one hand, you know, the hashtag hustle culture, I think you have to have some aspect of it if you really truly are Christian. And I think that if you look at like John Wesley, for instance, who was the founder of Wesleyan um, belief systems, I mean, he's part of the whole born again. Uh, and I'm just kind of oversimplifying because I, I would dare say that a lot of our listeners, even if they think they're Christian, maybe they're not yet. <laughs> so the John Wesleyan view would say Bam. that, Sorry
0: about that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: myself included for many years um, in the John Wesleyan culture. So he was, like, born and raised Christian, and he was a preacher, and he was down on a missions trip, and it was on that missions trip where he had an awakening, if you will. And he had this realization that, oh, my gosh, if I really am a Christian and I really do believe in God, why am I not doing this? And so that's where the whole methodology of uh, Methodism comes in, that you have to – do certain things to show or prove or, or act out your Christianity. And I think that is all part of the hustle culture, right? I mean, John Wesley was in the seventies riding horseback church to church to preach the word. He was so unbelievably hashtag hustle driven. And so I think that that is an inherent Christian value. I just think we have to be careful with how we frame it because on the other side of it, we have all of our, and they're not even just young people. We have our people who are just bleeding themselves out going after success, however they define it, going after more money, going after you name it. Um, And there's a lack of depth. They're missing those in-depth, meaningful conversations with people. They're missing people, truly.
0: Yeah, I I love the counter that you're bringing because that's the kind of conversations I love to have. And what I was thinking is I heard a few words that I think are important. Number one, you mentioned mission because I think some people – use hustle as an idol and it just becomes the way they are and they believe that just hustling is going to lead to something and it might i mean it could we could stumble onto something but uh, it can also lead to a bunch of nothing and we can also make an idol of it i think i made hustle an idol if i look back on the 90s i really believed, and this was early on in my Christian walk, that just me hustling was going to lead to some form of heaven's parting and blessings, money, whatever, pouring out on me. That was some wrong theology there. But but I do think it depends, (laughs) because I spent some time in Bible school, and I know you did too, and I looked around at times, and there was a percentage of people that needed to slow down a little bit and hear from the Lord. And then there was a percentage of people that they need to get off their backsides Mm. and actually do
1: something. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So you
0: went went to Bible school. What are your thoughts on that? (laughs)
1: Uh, You know, I did experience sitting, and I'm older, right? I mean, I'm in my mid-30s, I think, sitting in um, seminary with a lot of youngins, and I'm somebody that has lived a lot of life. I've been divorced. I have two children. I've served in the military. I've been all across the world. I've seen a lot, and I've lived a lot. And when I'm sitting in class, for instance, and and everybody goes up and they're sharing what's called like a life map, where you map out all your different significant areas of life and you show how Jesus and God has kind of worked through all of it. Um, And I'm kind of sitting there listening, and I'm not trying to put down anyone's life experience, but I'm listening to what I call like a lot of these church babies and a lot of these young people who really haven't lived a lot of life. You know, they've been very wonderfully protected in their upbringing, and they have really good hearts, and you can tell that their theology is really sound in what they believe in, um, but they're kind of missing that John Wesleyan experience of actually getting out into the world and getting their hands dirty, you know, and I think that's one of the, I've heard you talk about this, but the blessing that comes from the deepness of life and the hurt of life is that that is the meaningness, When you really, really get down and have things taken away and are broken and and you look around and you're surrounded with nothing and your heart is just cracked open, that's where God moves the most. And so Mm -hmm. if anyone has really just feels like they're maybe living in the shallow, easy lifestyle right now, you probably are. (laughs) And I would love for you to do whatever it takes to go out on the missions trip, volunteer with the Red Cross. Put yourself, not in harm's way, but put yourself in a situation that is not the norm for you, uh, and you'll just really see God working in much, much deeper ways than you probably are right now in your life.
0: Yeah, that's good. There's a word, there's a word sacrifice that's kind of been rolling around in my head, some for... I don't know the last few months or so. I don't know why. I don't know if there's something that's coming. I don't know if there's something that I'm just learning or that's kind of the way the Lord works with me is I'll get a word or, or a few phrases that I'll just kind of meditate on and think about. And, and I look at our culture and we're, we're just so comfort driven. We are Mm. so comfortable And, and I am, I am, you are, we all are, we can't, I mean, it's ironic that I'm bringing it up here and. And and I, I I look back at history and I look at uh, you know especially as I read through scriptures and and I'm going mm, we just we we have it pretty pretty good and you know there's a term that you use when I read through your stuff and was looking at some of the things you've created and worked on it's it's selfless selflessness and. Mm-hmm. I I'd, I'd like for you to talk a little bit more about that because at times I I sometimes bounce around if you've if you've listened to me or heard me I'll, I'll like go to extreme I'll go we're we're in bad shape we've got a totally selfish culture society and then at times I'll see glimpses I go ooh, I like I like this so t- talk to us about selflessness
1: Absolutely and you you know you're right we are in bad times um and the truth is we've been in bad times since the fall of Adam and Eve And so for anyone out there who's really discouraged maybe by the current election cycle or, you know, looking around at humanity or their town or or their neighbors and just feeling like things are falling apart, the answer is yes, they are falling apart. And they've been falling apart since the beginning of time. You know, there's nothing happening now that has not happened since the dawn of society on Earth. Um, and if you if you I'm not a history buff, I really actually am kind of anti-history. I get very bored with it because it's so repetitive. <laughs> uh, but, when, you know, in your military, military intelligence, a big part of that is knowing history and knowing why things happen and being able to project. Well, it happened before. Here's what to watch for. It just might happen again. Um, and so really getting back to your point about selflessness. When you're in moments of your life where It's just falling apart. Uh, For me, there's been a lot of different moments like that. Um, But one in particular that I can share with is my previous marriage was a very abusive marriage, mentally and physically, uh, emotionally. And I did have a little boy that was out of that. Uh, We were both dual military. So you have two military people uh, who are putting the mission of their country first. And there's a lot that goes into that relationship. There's a lot of distance. Um, a lot of times, there's a lot of really heavy stressors that come with deployments and coming back together, and alcoholism definitely found its way into that relationship as well, um, and so through all of that, I started to feel like the world was crumbling around me. From the outside in, it was beautiful. I had a lot of money. Uh, I was reserved in the military, so I also had a civilian career that was going very, very well. Um, I mentioned that I was a crossfitter, bodybuilder, like physically, I'm a beautiful woman, so I have that going for me. Um, And I have a beautiful child, right? And I'm married. And so from the outside in, there's all of these societal boxes that are checked. And yet, from the inside out, everything is falling apart. But nobody knows that, because nobody genuinely would take the time to sit down and ask me, are you okay how is your marriage, what is your relationship like, do you have support circles, and the answers would have been no, but because there really was no inside support circle to ask me those questions, I just kept plugging on, and so what I have found is in those moments, uh, what we tend to do is focus on me, 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 and my life is falling apart, my life is so terrible, I can't believe that this is happening, and the further we go down, uh, and anybody who Battles with mental wellness issues like depression or anxiety, which is a form of depression. Those what I'm talking about. We get very self focused and all we can think about is my struggles, my issues, and then we feel guilty because we're focusing on my struggles and my issues and my inadequacy and my incompetence to overcome them. So now we have shame. (laughs) We have layers of shame getting built up on top of our own self-focused depression. And it really does just continue to circle and spiral down. Mm -hmm. And the only way, the absolute only way to break through that is to serve another human being to take your focus away from yourself and your own situation. And even if it's just for one brief moment, Take a look at somebody else and try to better their life. Pour into them somehow. Give value to them somehow. It can be an anonymous five bucks that you leave at the floor of the gas station. Whatever it is, just do a good deed for another human being. And when you do that, you'll find that there's a spark of, there's like a little hint of the light of God that works through you. And your joy will come out just a tiny bit. It's not a huge joy. It's just a little teeny tiny piece of joy. But it has to come from serving another person. Uh, And, you know, when we teach, we bring a lot of depth to our conversation as well. Uh, My current husband now, he's an incredible man, a follower of God. Um, He helps me deeply with my own faith. And he also uh, comes from hereditary depression. And so we know firsthand what that looks like, what that feels like, what the triggers are. And we know when he's kind of down spiraling and what can kind of help us get him out of it. Um, And we watch medications and levels and it's a whole um, lifestyle for anybody who's been in the mental wellness world or deals with anybody who really is going through it. It's an entire lifestyle. And if you live it with um, intentionality, it's a beautiful lifestyle.
0: Right. So one thing that came to mind, and if this is a I don't know if naive question would be the right way of saying it, um, you mentioned that when there's that downward spiral, someone gets to, the, to a point, and then if they will just consider someone else or get outside of their self or, or just reach out, that it can snap them out of that spiral. Does it also work as an antidote? In other words, can one just live that lifestyle and it could keep that boogeyman away? I mean, yeah. I, again, I hope I'm not oversimplifying or anything like that. But I've observed that most people that are focused on others, uh, outside of people that maybe focus on others in an unhealthy way mm-hmm. to satisfy something for them. That's a whole nother topic. But, um, you anyway, know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is this something that, Hey, just if you feel some weirdness, funky m- mood coming on, just go help somebody else.
1: So I love that. And I love the depth of this conversation. And I'm going to bring in here, Mother Teresa, St. Teresa. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have never studied her life, Uh, go ahead and watch the movie version. (laughs) It was on Netflix a while ago. I don't know, but it's called Letters. And Letters follows the life of Mother Teresa. And if you don't know, so she is uh, out in the convent in India, in Calcutta, and she's very well protected within the walls. And she is teaching essentially the children of the rich who can afford to have their young daughters in the convent. And Mother Teresa loves her work and, and believes that God put her there for that purpose. But as she's looking out the window, she's seeing suffering in the streets. And she has this deep internal call that she's supposed to go out there. She's not supposed to be within the walls of the convent somehow, some way. She's just meant to serve on the streets of Calcutta. And so she has to actually fight the church to follow her calling. Uh, she does, and she is allowed uh, within her um order of religion to go out and start her life uh, work ministry outside of the mission there. And Mother Teresa consistently wrote letters back to her spiritual mentor, uh, and she deeply showed signs of depression. And that is actually one of the signs, and if you'll forgive me, I don't remember all of the check boxes that you have to make to be deemed a saint, um, but one of the signs of saintliness is that you have a deep level of care and depression in your work. You don't take significant um, joy or happiness out of serving others necessarily. And so that it, it's both ways, right? It's like, Shelley, you're contradicting yourself. That's <laughs> not what you just said. Uh, and so on one hand, you will feel that little piece of God working inside of you when you serve others. And on the other side, as we see in our military brethren, when you're out there in the real mission field of the world, when you're really, truly sacrificing yourself day after day after day to give and care for others, you will be sad. You will have depression. You will experience this heaviness of life because whether we want to admit it or not, we're not here on earth to YOLO. I mean, maybe as a non-Christian we are, Uh, but if you are a believer and you really do believe that we're supposed to act and live the way that Jesus does, then you're not supposed to have a cheerleader smile on your face every day all the time. And I think that's actually one of the criticisms um, that I face as a public speaker and as a female leader is a lot of times uh, as a military female, I get stereotyped as a novelty you know she's a young beautiful sexy woman let's put her on the stage and give her a microphone you know and and i am pretty to look at but at the same time that's that's not it i i'm not here to put you in the room and make you feel good and walk away right i'm i'm here to actually have those deeper meaningful conversations with you um so that we can give a little bit more depth to the life and the meaning of the work that you're doing i don't want you to just go out into the world and high five everybody <laughs> uh. That bothers me like when I don't know like in the gym world.
0: I think you were saying, I think we had a little bit of a hiccup there. You were saying in the gym world, uh, you know, talking about high-fiving and things like that um, is kind of what you were referring to. And I didn't, I didn't catch right after that. I think we had a little Internet hiccup on my end.
1: Mm, it just can feel so, so fake, so unbelievably fake, right? And if you are a person that walks around with that giddy smile and high-fives people all the time, you might want to think about changing your tactic a little bit because that might not be the best way to sprinkle glitter all across the other people.
0: Yeah, and it, what's interesting about it is I do think there's a time and a place for that. We'll call it rah-rah and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I, I'm not sure for many people that's the season that we're currently in. Mm. Uh, maybe. There might be some people that just need a little more optimism and, you know, Pollyanna or whatever we want to term it. But it's interesting I'm picking up on a little bit of a theme in the conversation. I, I'll I'll usually make little notes and all that, and I won't see the theme, but I, I can kind of see a theme. We we talked a little about hustle. Now we're talking about serving, and we're we're kind of hitting some ends of the spectrum, or at least a little bit of a pendulum. And I think the theme that I'm seeing, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, especially with your background as a chaplain and military and leadership, is that everybody's got their own path and their own journey. I think you and I, especially with, you know, you've got a tactical background. I'm an industrial engineer. We could formulize just about anything. I can. I don't know. You might. You might be. I could checklist just about anything. Do this, 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 and this. But at the end of the day, there's, I just saw where there's 8 billion people on the earth. that We just crossed over that threshold. There are 8 billion stories and there are 8 billion people that have their <laughs> lives to walk through. And you know what? Some of them might need to be hustling right now. And some of them might need to be pausing, resting, and listening. And some of them might need to be serving others. And some of them might need to be focusing on a little bit more, I don't like this term, but self-care. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so, I don't know. it I think myself, I don't know if you've ever done this. You can share if you have. I really like seven steps, three steps, five steps, you know, checklist, do this, do this, don't do that, whatever. And maybe I'm wrong. <laughs>
1: Well, you're right. It is different areas of life and we grow and change throughout our areas of life. And, and so the, we're really talking about mental wellness here because when you are in spaces of your life where you kind of feel like nobody would miss me if I was gone, right? That's a very scary thought that, that a lot of people have. Um, and it's very isolating. And so when, when we get into those spaces, um, this idea that you're not the only one that's ever been there. And so on one hand, you are extremely special, unique, your hairs on your head are counted by the Lord. He created you, right? Stitched you from the very beginning and and he put you here for a purpose, whether or not you're living out that purpose. I don't know, but that's not for me to decide. It's really for you to feel like you are or are not. And so if you, do feel those really heavy negative thoughts of isolation and loneliness and nobody understands what I'm going through, I almost want to like grab your shoulders and smack you across the face because (laughs) how many people are on this earth and how many people have existed throughout the history of humanity? You're going to tell me that there's not one other single soul that has ever been in existence that has walked the path that you've walked? And that really is the beauty of the Bible and the stories of the people of the Bible. How many, Tim, you're great at teaching this, but how many broken people are in the Bible? Right? I mean, we lift up David as the king, you know, the father of Jesus in some ways, or at least the ancestor of him. and I mean, a murderer, an adulterer, like the sin and the brokenness of the people who are in the Bible is rampant. And, and so if you as a human being are just living your day on earth right now, And you're filled with that self-shame about the sin that's existing in your world or, um, you know, the trouble with that type of speak. You also talk about church speak (laughs) is that Mm. for most of us, I mean, I didn't come to the Lord until uh, my late 20s, early 30s. And so on the other side of the world, right, we don't even know what sin looks like. And so you have a lot of the church babies that are kind of pointing fingers and being super judgmental and, and telling you what right looks like and what wrong looks like. But then let's say that when you are in those behaviors, those negative behaviors, um, sometimes even if we know that maybe they're morally wrong, it doesn't mean that we're not going to do them. Um, Anybody who has battled addiction knows that Um, you can't like they know they shouldn't take a drink. They're still going to take the drink and there's nothing you can say that will prevent them from taking the drink. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the type of conversation that we really need to be having with each other.
0: Yeah, and the the thing I like about it is just we need to have open, mature conversations because I can't find out what you're going through or what your needs or whatever might be with a tweet. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> in fact, I probably wouldn't want to know whatever you can you know captured within a, a tweet whatever number of characters i'm just i don't know that may not be a good example but there has to be some dialogue but shelly you brought up something i want to i want to back up because it's intriguing to me you mentioned your your faith walk your you came to know the lord became a follower of christ in your late 20s 30s tell what you can about that story what was going on i'm always curious about that because I love to I love to understand journey. And then I do at some point, I want, I want to get into this, the intelligence work that you did for the military. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you were doing that at that time or what was going on, but I love to know because I, I believe that the Lord is pursuing us at all times. And I love to know what happens when some of us begin pursuing him.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so I was raised Catholic and I was in church every Sunday. Um, and church was never really brought back into our home. We didn't pray at meals. Uh, we didn't pray before we walked out the door every day. Um, my father, and I say this like literally my mom and dad live next door. They have the house next door to us. <laughs> so it's not like, uh, you know, my dear old mom and dad that are no longer with us. Oh, no, they're literally right there. Uh, so I got to be careful what I say about them, but we we had like a very morally straight upbringing. You know, right was right and wrong was wrong, and what was missing really was the Jesus piece. And so as I was aging, I uh, got into high school, left for college. I I didn't I didn't go to church in college. I was like, phew, finally Sundays are free. Like <laughs> had never had that before in my life. Um, so I didn't go to church in, uh, in college. And then when I joined the military and I was off on my own as a young professional in my twenties, um, sometimes I would find myself back in church on a Sunday. Usually it was if, um, things felt a little bit heavy and I just wanted to disappear for an hour. It gave me a a quiet place to go. Uh, and I always found a Catholic church just because again, that was my upbringing. Um, and then in my twenties, I did live a lot of heaviness and so i I was married, and I thought we were married under God, and yet I was married to a man who was not acting in the godly way. Um, and so when you have um, somebody who you know is bringing other persons into the marriage, for instance, or when you see them doing and acting in behaviors that you believe are just not the person you married or 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 the the way that you thought things would go, um you really question a lot and and so in that marriage, we were married for almost 10 years, it was a marriage between two humans without God in the triangle, and that doesn't work, uh, and that is definitely one of the lessons that I try to preach today to anybody who is considering marriage or is trapped in a bad marriage, whatever you want to call it. Um, if if you don't have the triangle of you plus the other person plus God, it's not going to work because there we are humans. And we definitely will make mistakes and we will make the wrong choices. It, it Nobody is perfect. Um, and if you have nothing higher than yourself to hold you accountable, then you're always going to be letting yourself and the other person down. And so that is where the recognition of the importance of God in the marriage I started to see. Um, and so I just kind of share that with you because as I was witnessing all of this happening in my 20s, and I'm wondering, what is wrong? Like, what is wrong? What is missing? Why isn't our marriage working? Is it because he doesn't love me? Is it because he doesn't respect me? Like, you have all of those questions. And the real answer, if you keep going deeper, the real answer is no, it's because he doesn't love himself, and it's because he doesn't have a relationship with God. So you can you can blame the behaviors, you can blame the person all day long, but if you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, it's always going to circle back to where is God in this situation. Um, and so... To kind of bring it back home, right, you have to remember I am an intelligence professional. And so for me to agree or disagree with something has to come with a lot of data and a lot of proof. And my job in the military is typically to put together briefings and make recommendations so that they can make the decisions. And typically uh, my team and I would bring all of this data in and we have a recommendation of usually you give three courses of action, sir ma'am here's three ways that we could move forward which ones you want to choose <clears throat> and that it's up to the commander to pick which way they move forward from and so when you're looking at who is jesus <laughs> and you're questioning like i always understood god i never doubted god i think that just the creation Alone of nature and, and the earth and the water and, and the statistics that follow around the universe. Um, you can't question whether or not God exists, right? But the Jesus piece for me was a giant question mark. Um, and so when I was in my mid twenties and my, I felt like my life was falling apart. I felt like I didn't know what good solid relationships were. Um, I, I needed a counselor. I needed someone to bear my soul to that I felt would give me good guidance. And so I actually chose um, a pastoral counselor, even though I didn't even think that at that time, I didn't think that the Bible was the ultimate truth. I just thought the Bible, and I remember saying this to my dad, the Bible is just a collection of really good advice.
0: <laughs> it's a really, really good book, and it's done
1: well over the years. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted a pastoral counselor because I there are so many people that can give professional advice and you have to remember i mean there's like sex therapists out there that will tell you and encourage you to go bring a third party into your marriage so there when you talk about right taking jesus and the christian morals and ethics out of the equation there's some crazy advice that can come your way so for me when things were falling apart i knew that i at least wanted it to be biblically sound and then i would kind of feel safe and so it was really through working with a pastoral counselor um, for a couple of years where we were getting a little bit deeper into, well, why was I making the decisions in my life and what did I actually believe about Jesus? Um, and so that's and my whole point of this is because for some people, their belief in Christ is a light switch. And all of a sudden, one day they have this epiphany. Oh, my gosh, Jesus is Lord. And their whole life changes. That is not the Shelley Rood story. I am extremely critical, I am extremely thoughtful, I'm extremely analytical. It takes gobs and gobs and gobs of definitive proof for me to believe what you're telling me. And even then, I probably will still doubt it. (laughs) So my choice to believe that Christ is Savior came from years and years and years of questions. Seeking, 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 and slowly answers were being discovered. Um, And it got to the point where... I was having a hard time. Now I was divorced, and I was a single mom, um, barely making ends meet. And I was staying up until, like, 3 in the morning Googling um, simple basic questions, like, what is the Protestant Reformation? I was was raised Catholic. I had no idea what that even was. Like, if that's a thing, who's Martin Luther really? Like, I didn't know about any of the denominations. I didn't know about the history of religion. Um, And so once I started digging deeper into it, like I said, I'm up at 3 in the morning now. Um, And I'm telling my pastoral counselor this, and he says, Shelly, you should go to seminary. And I was like, oh, seminary, that's a scary word. What are you talking about? And I'm imagining myself in, like, monk clothes, right? I'm like, what is he even saying, Shelly, go to seminary? That's crazy. Uh, and it wasn't until he even said that, and I started looking into it. Seminary uh, is nothing more than graduate school these days. And I, and I had no idea. And so there... Let's open that because how many pastors, preachers have you seen over the years and not given the appropriate respect or admiration for? I mean, I kind of just thought that they had a lower level of intelligence or they just were reverberating things that other people had told them. Like, you know, like that was cockiness um, and arrogance as a civilian.
0: Or or they couldn't get a job in the real world, so they went into ministry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I totally didn't understand that Mm -hmm. when you get into the ministry world, these are some of the most deeply educated individuals who have given so much of their lives to constant thought and discernment about their belief system. And um, I wish so deeply that as our society continues to grow and evolve, that we don't miss that. And, you know, you have to remember, like Harvard was founded as a faith organization, right? It was founded to honor Christ through discovery. Um, and so just as we watch our public institutions start to change and really wave and, and pull the God piece out of it, um, that can be good. I definitely believe in the separation between church and state very, very deeply. Um, but we ha- what we have to do is make sure that we're not um, discriminating from a backwards way, right? From
0: a backwards way. Yeah, yeah. Throwing out the things that give our foundational principles value is what could be going on. And, yeah, you know, I'm with you. I don't think we need an official religion in the United States. A lot of people say it's a Christian nation. No, it's not. It's a country where there, at one point, there were a lot of Christians. It's becoming less and less if you believe some of the data. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, yeah, that's interesting. I do want to interrupt, though, because I, I want to tie in. The um, intelligence piece to this, because I, I do think it's fascinating to know. I'd like to know how you ended up in that. I've got another. I've got, in fact, someone I went to Bible school with that was in that arena with the military, and I, I am one of these people. I always somewhat wanted to know a little bit more. I probably wanted wanted to know more about what he did. Then he could tell me, so I would kind of press. So you know, you I know you, I know you I know mean, what you yeah, I might have here. to kill you if we
1: keep this going.
0: <laughs> That's right. If you could find me, remember I live in R.D. Well, yeah. you're in charge. You probably know. Where I'll I find you. you probably track me down. Yeah, yeah. The other day, I think I was sharing. I had Air Force jets flying over the when I was trying to record something. But um, at at what point did your path go down that road? And then uh, I want to discuss that, and then I want to bring all this together to discuss some of the projects you're working on now, because I think that's part of what's gone into some of the things you're doing now. But the, So the intelligence piece, military, uh, how did that come to be, and, and uh, are you wired? Is, were you wired that way before, or did the military mold you and shape you into that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Those are good questions. Uh, and I, I think a lot of it has to come with, you know, the way that I was raised and, and the time of when I was raised. And you have to look at at the social impact of how I was raised. So I am a female, shocking. And in the 90s was some of my formative years. Uh, and what was the number one hit TV show that was out that had a very strong, pretty serious female character who was all about logic and reason and it was like the super secret world it's the x-files Mulder <laughs> and scully of the x-files i love scully i absolutely was obsessed with her character i think i've seen every episode and now tim you're gonna laugh so hard we just started re-watching that as a family there's quite a few episodes you're gonna need to skip if you're gonna do that um, but my younger my older boy is 13 now and so between us um That has to do a lot with it because it's all about conspiracy theories. Um, and what's so funny is every intelligence person will tell you this when they, when they do first get their clearance and you get access to the system. Um, right. We all go in there and we look up mermaids, uh, or we go in there and we look up area 51, the GFK, UFOs,
0: UFOs and aliens. Come on, Bigfoot. Come on.
1: (laughs) It's so fun. Did man really walk on the moon? Um, so for all of us out there that really do love conspiracy theories, that was a big, Big piece for me as I, I, and I actually went to, um, I graduated Western Michigan University with a degree in, um, journalism because I love the truth. I love digging down, digging deeper, figuring out what's at the root of the issue, right? And we're going to publish that. That's what we're going to focus on. And so that's where I believe that my call to the intelligence world really came out from there.
0: Huh. So, so I love me a good conspiracy theory. What can you confirm or or deny as far as <laughs> conspiracy? You know, I, I want to say this though before I ask it. My, it's interesting. I'm 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 seeing parallels with my wife because she was a journalism major and and she is extremely black and white on a lot of things. It, it's either this or this, and I'm sometimes a little more nuanced and. And and all of that. And it it sounds like part of what compels people to go into the arena that you you're in is that they have a desire for the data, the information. They want to know truth. Mm. They're going to dig for it, accumulate it, get it to the people that make the decisions. And and did you spend your entire career in that arena or or... I did?
1: I did. So so I was I served for uh, over a span of 16 years and for the last two years. I had a branch, uh, so the branch is called intelligence, and I was attempting to transfer to the chaplain corps. Um, so towards the end of my military career, I felt the call. Now now I knew Jesus, and I was looking around the military saying um, what the military doesn't need is another intelligence officer. What the military really needs is another chaplain. Um, if you don't know, there is a nationwide shortage in the United States military of chaplains, Um, When you look at troops who are deployed overseas, the entire area of Iraq and Afghanistan, you're talking a service area bigger than Texas, might only have one or two chaplains total. And that's where active wars and battles are happening. And that is the time, right? Like in the United States, when you experience loss, what do you do? You call the chaplain, you, you go to your church, you call your Bible study leader. Well, if you're overseas, all of a sudden you find yourself in this really, really deep moment of need And there is no chaplain around Um, and so there is a there's a significant shortage and well we can talk about that more but but i truly believe that my calling was to transfer from the intelligence world into the chaplain Um, Mm corps and then we can talk here about god's decision and god's path versus shelley's path Um, because i put my packet in and for reasons only he knows that packet was kind of kicked around for paperwork issues and errors or whatever for years um, and then I hit something called time and grade, where you can only be a certain rank for a certain time until you have educational requirements for you to climb the ladder up to the next one. So um, basically, I was a captain for the max that you can be a captain, uh, and I had to graduate one of my schools in order to stay on to become a major. Well, I couldn't get a slot in my intelligence school because I had a branch transfer packet in. So why would they give me a slot in a highly competitive school when they knew that I was trying to get out of that branch? So logically it all makes sense. Emotionally didn't feel very good. Uh, And I did actually get discharge orders. And um, the answer was, well, don't worry about the discharge orders. All you have to do is reenlist directly into the Chaplain Corps. Okay. So we're still going on the dream, right? Uh, And for – Four years I tried to re-enlist. I, I was discharged in 2018, and I spent the next four years um, trying to re-enlist in every single branch, and I am not medically qualified to, re-enlist, to enlist in the United States military. Isn't that funny? <laughs>
0: Interesting. <laughs>
1: and I have tried absolutely everything, and there's somebody listening who's going to say, well, Shelly, you just didn't try XYZ. Listen. I have tried everything. I even have a memo from the Michigan Surgeon General saying she should not be medically disqualified, and yet National won't let me in. So my point here is that now I find myself, um, I've graduated seminary, I am an ordained minister, I am a chaplain, I thought God wanted me to be a military chaplain. The military does not want me. So what do I do with that? And that kind of brings us to our next piece of what do you do with that? you you believe that God called you to do certain things and you followed his steps and you did your checklist and now it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like, but that's okay. Right?
0: Wait, let me pause here. So I just want to make sure I'm hearing correctly. So sometimes our plans are not God's plans. Is that what I'm hearing you say,
1: Shelley? Uh, Well, here's what God told me. I was extremely, brokenhearted and i was driving at a and i hit a red light and before i could make the turn i i was just crushed i had my discharge orders i was no longer in the military that's a whole piece of identity that was just stripped from me and like unexpectedly and i said god why and i heard the voice of god and he said shelly do you need to be a soldier to serve the soldiers and that was all I ever needed to hear.
0: Yeah, and the beautiful thing is, is that his plans, there are probably things you can do not being a soldier or in the military or in that structure that probably can have an impact that we, you may not have even realized. So tell me about that. What are you, what are you observing now that you've kind of, Gotten that message from the Lord at the red light, which is awesome, I believe, and uh, and so now where that where is that leading you?
1: We opened our business in 2017. So when I was still in, you know, and I still thought I was going to be a military chaplain, uh, we opened as educational consulting, and we teach, train, educate. Uh, really, just wanted to drive home the message of mental wellness and things like work-life balance in the military. We call it resiliency. How, you know, it's not about how how to get back up once you fall. It's about continuously moving forward. Um, and so that's what I knew. I have a, a love for large-scale public speaking on a stage. Uh Public speaking is the number one fear in the world, and I don't have it. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that that's a God-given gift, right? Um And so what we decided to do with our business is just move forward and try to teach, train, and educate. And so over the years, um, now that I I do have the chaplain title as a civilian, and um, I feel that I have enough external validation for the world uh, to be able to stand as a professional on my own two feet as an accomplished young woman, uh, to be able to say, I know what I'm talking about. Here are the life lessons that your company needs, that your staff members need, that the members of your church need to hear. Um, And so through that, God sends people who see value in what we do uh, and encourages us to find ways to work together. So a good example of that, uh, a few years back, I was approached by uh, a military chaplain, Chaplain Brian Webb. Uh, He works for the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, and he is what's called the veteran liaison for the entire state. And Chaplain Webb came to me and said, you know, Shelly, I'm looking for a female to lead up a female peer support program for all of the military women in the state of Michigan. Boom, that's me, right? So specific, so unique, such an opportunity. Uh, that's not something that I ever, as a business person, could have written down on a checklist and gone after. <laughs> that's God speaking through people and putting his people together. Um So that's an example of one of the programs that we run as a business. Um, and then there's another program that we run uh, called Warriors with Warriors. And I really have leaned into this as my personal ministry. Um, Because if you remember, God told me I didn't need to be a soldier to serve the soldiers. Uh, and so what does that mean? That means that maybe I don't need to lean directly into soldier ministry. Maybe I can lean into community ministry that lifts up the military. And so with Warriors with Warriors, what we do is we actually train people of faith on how to interact with military people. So we're out there who is our target market. We're out there trying to talk with pastors, preachers. Bible study leaders, the Susie who sets up and breaks down the Bible school every Sunday. That is the person that I want to connect with. Um, And I want to make sure that that person is really, truly trained and equipped on how to interact with military people, because most of them think that they are, and there's a lot of unintended harm that can come from surface conversation with a military person.
0: Interesting. I want to I want to dig in that because that leads into the question that was rolling around in my head. I think, I think many people that would put themselves in the know, patriotic, rah uh, rah, you know, go military, uh, you know, we support the troops. All all of that. I'm using some things and sounding a little cynical, but uh, it'll make sense when I get to the point here. And you know, maybe they put a flag in their front yard and all that. I I think they believe that they may be doing things to help. But what I'd love for you to share, Shelly, is what are some things that those of us that are outside the military need to know and understand? And it might be, it'll have to be a short answer. We're getting close to our time, but what are a few things points that we need to understand that we don't have a clue about?
1: Well, lucky for you, uh, I actually did my homework and I created a 21 page article titled Four Ways to Make a Meaningful Connection with Military People. Ooh,
0: nice. And nice, I created nice, a nice.
1: special landing page just for your audience. So if you go to othersoverself.com slash SGC for seek, go create, othersoverself.com SGC or Sierra Gulf, Charlie, if you want to do your military phonetic <laughs> alphabet there. Um, and on that landing page, you're going to find that downloadable article, uh, and it's going to walk you through what I'm going to tell you right now. Um, but there are three things to stay away from when you're talking with a military person. So this is a first-time interaction. Uh, you bump into them at a gas station. You see them at a restaurant. You want to buy them lunch, stuff like that. Three things. You don't pry. Your grandma always told you that, right? Don't pry into someone else's life. Uh, you don't talk about politics. You don't talk about religion. And you don't talk about yourself. And the first two might seem pretty obvious, but we're very guilty of it anyway, <laughs> But then, you know, because we're short on time, let's focus on the third. Don't talk about yourself. Here's what happens. I'm out at lunch with a couple of my buddies. We're in uniform. A good intended person comes over, says, thank you for your service. My uncle served in World War II, and he was in the 82nd Airborne whatever battalion. And my nephew right now is deployed overseas in Afghanistan. And, you know, I just I know what he goes through, and I just want to say thanks. And as they go on and on and on and on, rattling about their relatives, my French fries are getting cold, and I just want to go back to the office because I've got work to do. And so what started as a well-intended conversation of thanking someone from their service actually was just an opportunity for that person to talk about themselves. And so that's the kind of fun interaction that I really want people to understand is don't just say thank you for your service. You have to go deeper than that. Um, And when you are talking with a military person, don't share stuff about yourself because, quite frankly, we don't care. Uh, (laughs) Sorry if that offends you. (laughs) Um, But for the most part, you know, if you're going to thank us, and this is really just basic conversation one-on-one, right? If you're going to thank me for something that I did, then the conversation should stay focused on me. It shouldn't shift back onto you.
0: Mm, okay, that's good. Yeah, I, I get the political thing. I think there's a lot of people in circles that I hang out with. There's this assumption that someone in the military is conservative, leans towards a certain party, and I don't think that's the case. And I think we've gotten to a world where most people understand that we, everybody's all over the place and we just need to probably avoid those conversations if at all possible i got mixed up in one on facebook recently and i wish i hadn't oh my. Uh, i wish i had, I, wish I, pu- I wish i could pull that back i thought that i would learned and being almost 60 years old you think i would would learn that kind of stuff but now obviously we still do that i mean
1: i'll tell you from someone on the inside of the veteran care space you cannot stereotype a military person you genuinely cannot especially military women Oh, my gosh. If you think that there's like a type style to a military woman, you couldn't be any more wrong. They are the most diverse group of individuals that you've ever come across.
0: Yeah. What do we need to know about uh, females? I, I ask this question a lot being a, you know, a, I call it mature, not older, you know, white dude. But what, what what do people need to understand about females in the military? I read an article recently about it was someone that was one of the first – females in the military was this early 80s or mid 80s possibly I'm not sure I remember when a lot of that was being discussed but what do we need to know about that
1: well I'm going to tell you my favorite joke are you ready
0: I, I guess is it clean are we yeah. going to oh, bleep it's anything clean. out okay so good.
1: what do you get when you come across a group of military women mm. you get I don't out know. you get out of their way that's what you get <laughs> <laughs> truly like that is the number one thing to know about a military woman she knows exactly mm. what she wants, when she wants it, and she's going hard after it. And she's, she might be wrong, and she might even know she's wrong, but she's still going to go after it. And we yeah. are, we you know, if you, if you want to stereotype at all, I think military women, just like a lot of us, we can be hard to love because we don't fit certain stereotypes. Um, and mm. so if you don't take the time to get to know us on an individual level without judgment, um, then you're really not going to be okay with us. You're not going to understand why we love guns or hate guns. You're not going to understand why we're overweight or underweight. You're not going to understand why we have kids or don't have kids. Um, Every military woman is so, so different. Um, Like one of my friends, uh, Colonel Nancy Dakin, she's retired now. She joined because of a bet. She literally joined the military because of a bet. And she just retired as the commander of the 127th wing over here on Selfridge Air National Guard Base. So you're talking a combat fighter pilot. And the, that was from her sister when she was young. Like, that's such a cool story, but you would never know it if you didn't take the time to actually talk with her a little bit more.
0: Yeah. One of the things – well, this is almost my final question. One of the things that I have been observing for some time is that we're in a very – we're still in a very male-dominated leadership uh, culture, probably in all areas. We know in, in organizations, ministry, and probably military. And, and I'm wondering if that could be one of the reasons why we have some of the messes. There was a comment on uh, that I saw on Twitter recently where someone said that there was a, there was a, uh, someone in their organization. It was a female leader and a male said that 95% of all females aren't qualified for leadership. And so she fired the guy, <laughs> which is valid. I'm, I'm okay if she does that. My comment was, okay, so if 95% of females aren't qualified for leadership, I think 99% of males aren't qualified for leadership. But that's a whole different topic. So what? let's talk about... Uh, you know, leadership, especially from female perspective, kind of as a final wrap-up here, and uh, we'll start landing this, uh, this episode.
1: You know, there's so much that goes into that. You're right. I mean, that's a whole other episode in itself. Um, I, I believe, and this is my belief, I believe in the two genders created by the Lord. I believe in the physiological differences between the two sexes. And I think that that's a non-negotiable. And so I think that if you start the conversation from there, from that shared understanding, then we can make progress about differences in leadership and leadership styles and da 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 um, What happens with the male-to-female leadership piece of it, again, we run into these stereotypes where, and I'll just say the men or even a lot of women will will incorrectly stereotype women and will say that she's too soft or she has too much emotion, things like that. And you know what? I run with a pack of women who are definitely not soft. I run with a pack of women who bury their emotion and shove it down to their detriment. So if any of you are listening and you're hesitating about putting women in leadership because of these stereotypes that you're just assuming I just want to tell you you really are far off the mark you're wrong (laughs) i'm sorry but you're you're wrong um it's it's about the type of female right just like it's about the type of male leadership is a skill leadership is something that is trained and developed over the years and if you are working with a female who is in a leadership position and you think she's not a very good leader you need to be investing in her you need to send her into leadership training she needs to be willing to change she needs to be coachable um, she needs to understand that there's different types of leadership. Maybe she's trying to follow a leadership style that is being emulated from somebody else, and that's not her leadership style, and she doesn't even know it. There's a lot of self-discovery that comes uh, through leadership, and it is it is the same for male versus female. Um, and there's ways that women can get ahead in the leadership world that men can't. Um, everybody who has ever watched a spy movie knows that all she has to do is put on a sexy little dress and she can get in the enemy's bunker. <laughs> I mean, there, there are advantages and disadvantages to the male and the female. Um, yeah, I'm not,
0: unfortunately, unfortunately men are pretty simple.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not somebody who's going to say that we are, um, the same. Um, my husband and I, we use this phrase equal and different, equal and different. And if you use that phrase to help shape your view of male and female leadership, then you'll get a heck of a lot further than if you're just trying to shove the equality piece over and over and over again, um, because there are things, uh, social differentiators um, about inequalities, about equity. Um, and that's again, that's a deeper, whole nother level conversation of why there are not as many females in leadership Um, and then there's the whole piece of it too, when we get to the physiological differences of, of children, um, you know, like I'm pregnant right now, boom, here's my big announcement. (laughs) And, and my husband is not going to need to take two months off once the baby's born. Physically, I am absolutely going to need to take two months off once the baby's born. Uh, it doesn't mean that I am less of a human being. It doesn't mean that I'm less professional. It doesn't mean that I'm less capable. It means that there's a physical thing that needs to heal um and so those are the types of conversations and differences that we need to be able to air uh and have it openly and and I do think that the younger generations are able to have these conversations more openly um I have found that I'm I still get the most pushback from men who are like at their retirement age or even have retired where that's just not how things were done uh, and it, it's almost hilarious to me at this point. Like when somebody tells me um, that they're shocked that I served in the military or women shouldn't serve in the military, I, I just laugh at them. It's like, <laughs> what what decade do you think this is still? You know?
0: Yeah, and I I'm I am probably in that age bracket that would that's, that's the reason I'm asking. And I said earlier I'm wrong, but uh, and I I think our big challenge is sometimes we generalize. And I'm going back to like the beginning theme we had at the beginning. You know, should people hustle? Should they not? You know, should they? look at you know women this way in leadership or not and and I, I think everybody's on their own journey everybody has a uniqueness everyone is created for purpose mm. and uh and I, and I think i've i've heard even though we didn't specifically say it i've heard that message over and over and over again mm. in this conversation you know, Shelly, tim
1: i think we can bring it around to what's known as the mission first mindset mm. right god told me that my mission is to serve military people from a ministry standpoint he didn't tell me I needed to be a military chaplain. So, so God has the mission-first mindset, and I need to be flexible with how we get there. When you talk about a company or leadership, if you're coming from a mission-first mindset, then it doesn't matter whether it's a male leader or a female leader, because as long as the mission is getting accomplished, boom, that's how you get there.
0: Yeah, I, the reason I love that is I just did a teaching on an episode. I think it was – might have released in early November, Five Steps to Redefining Success. And I was talking about just that. You know, so many of us are really good at tactics. We're really good at strategy. And then when we start getting to mission or assignment, purpose, and identity, sometimes it gets a little fuzzy. But if you're leading with mission, purpose, those things, then the tactics and strategies become easier. So I love what you said. It really emphasizes some things we've been talking about here. Shelly, have I missed anything? Anything else you want to say?
1: Oh my gosh, we could talk forever, Tim. No, I so think this is a can. phenomenal. But, 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 but I know
0: as, as someone who spends time with the Lord and, and listens and hears, is there anything the Holy Spirit or something's kind of nudging you to say, you know what, I, I think I should share this?
1: Well, we kind of went down the female route quite, quite a bit. Um, I think it's very important for my females who are listening to understand that you are doing us an injustice. If you're running around with your fist in the air, smash the patriarchy type of megaphone, um, right? That type of attitude is the claw your way to the top and step on all the people along the way. Um, so I, I, from a standpoint of being a strong woman, I want to encourage you to lead with love, lead with respect. And I promise that if God wants you to be at the top of the hill, he's going to put you at the top of the hill. Um, so just remember that you you're going to get where he wants you to get. You're the one in charge of how you get there.
0: Mm -hmm. The reason I love that is because something I'm sitting here thinking is that I know at times me, my generation males, we can uh, respond negatively to a strong female let's just say one that's very vocal or emotional as you mentioned earlier me too
1: tim i respond negatively to that too
0: i know i know and i'm working through it so that was a great message there that could be a great sound clip shelly where can people find you what do you want to share with them you mentioned the link earlier we'll definitely put that down in notes anything else where people can connect with you or find some information about what you're doing
1: absolutely we are others over self just type those three words in. That's our website. That's our Instagram, our Facebook, whatever, whatever social you got. Uh, others over self. I'm not hiding. I spent too many years of my life hiding under top secret missions. So now it's a joy to be free as a civilian. Um, find me, connect with me, send me an email. Tell me I'm wrong. Let's zoom it out and have a cup of coffee. And I might still be wrong at the end of the conversation, but at least we'll like each other a little bit more.
0: I, know, I love that. Someone someone recently said, I'm pretty confident that I don't agree with your opinions. And I said, I'm pretty confident I don't agree with all my opinions either. So, <laughs> so we're in agreement on something. So that's excellent. Hey, We are Seek, Go, Create, Shelley, those three words. I'm, I kind of gave you a little bit of heads up on this. I'm going to give you one of those words that uh, you can choose over the other two and why as my final question.
1: Uh, I'm going to go back to the beginning of our conversation, and I'm going to stick with Go. I'm going to stick with go. I believe so deeply that we are given breath in our day so that we can go do what the Lord is calling us to do. God did not give you breath today so you can sit on your couch and play Candy Crush on your phone. What a waste of the blessing of human life. Go, 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 go do the thing that will pour goodness into your society and into the people around you. Go do it.
0: Excellent. Love it. Shelly, thank you so much for this conversation. I knew I would enjoy it, and I'm sure that folks listening in, hey, if you've listened in, and this has been awesome to you, I would, if you're still listening, I know it has been, share this. Share this episode. That's the number one way that people are exposed to new podcasts, podcast episodes, is when people share it. So take a screenshot or share it on whatever platform you're listening and let other people know about it. We've got new episodes every Monday here at Seek, Go Create. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.